friends, you are listening to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. Tonight, I'm your co-host, Deacon A.J. Gedney, and I'm joined by Father Andy Boyd. Father Andy, how are you today? You know, I, I was telling you before we started recording, and as usual, there's always some sort of like a little bit of a hitch that kind of throws me for a loop, um, you know, thinking that my headphones were completely charged, and then, you know, came in late from a dinner, thinking we're getting ready, and then... No, no, it's just always throw something there. So there might be a little bit of audio delay if anybody's noticing, if anybody, any audiophiles listening, and it just might be a little weird. You might hear Deacon AJ in uh, Echo, or especially Henry, who's now decided to finally lay down on the couch. You might hear him get up and eat or drink. So it is what it is. But in any event, Deacon, how has these last few weeks been? Because remind me, I think it's been two weeks since you've been on the show. And I'm sure a lot has been going on at seminary. You were saying that you're now back in quarantine again, but how's life as a deacon? Um, you know, it probably doesn't feel all that different, but I'm sure it's exciting. Yeah. I always feel like when it's just you and I recording, we have to like scramble and like use all of our technology prowess to figure things out. Um, yeah, things are good. So it's funny. I was a deacon here in the seminary for about a week and then we were back. So it was really cool. Um, for liturgies on the weekends when the fourth year deacons are out to be able to like lead evening prayer on Friday and Sunday and then to assist at mass. That was very, very neat. Um, and I was very touched by some classmates and uh, other seminarians saying like they're proud of me. And, you know, it, it was really uh, inspiring for them to have known me for a while before becoming a deacon. Um, so that's been, that's been really humbling. Um, but yeah, but now I'm, I'm quarantined, so I can't do any of that. Um, which this is the third time this school year, second time this semester, um, having to quarantine. And each time I quarantine, I go through the, um, the the stages of like grief. So it's like, I'm angry. And then like, I try to bargain. And then it's like acceptance and like resignation or, or whatever. But I go through each of those quick, that cycle quicker each time. So now it's like, oh, AJ, you have to quarantine. It's like, oh, okay, okay. Well, okay, fine, good. So I just get through it quicker. Um, you know, I figured out things to do in my room, uh, you know, doing Zoom classes. So, like you said, I am still a deacon. Um, it, this is like quarantining before I was a deacon, but um, it's just I focus kind of more on um, being more intentional, praying to office, which now I am bound to. And then um, whatever I can do to serve the other guys in the house or um, my friends when they call, things like that, just try to be more available to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of been the last two weeks is I, I was in quarantine before my ordination and I'm in quarantine afterwards. Uh, but we're all, we're all getting vaccinated very soon. So I hope that will kind of remedy some of those problems. Yeah, I, I hope so for your sake, you know, uh, I can't even imagine what it must like be like to be in quarantine. Now, I think the most I can think about is when we went through the beginning of COVID and um, I lived in my own house by myself. It was just me and the dog. Um, when the COVID really started to get a little bit more open, you know, once a week, the housekeeper came in, but we kept our distance. I stayed in, um, I stayed on the second floor while she cleaned the first floor and then she left. And then I kept the second floor clean, but it's weird. So um, celebrating mass by myself was weird. And I can't even imagine what what it was like to not be able to be with the sacraments. So yeah, I feel for you. I'm grateful that I'm not in school in these times because I'm grateful I don't have to go through um, the insanity of not being sure about like how education's going to work. Because I, I can't, 
I hate Zoom meetings. I can't even imagine what Zoom classes are like. But hey, uh, keep on keeping on with it. But uh, it's exciting because you're getting closer and closer. And, you know, uh, summer is coming soon too for you, but yet it's still so far off because the school year is a little bit later. Remind me, when is it that your finals week is? Finals week would be it would begin Monday, May seventeenth, which is pretty late. Because I know, as you and I know, it would be the first of May, and we'd be like done, done, like headed home. So, um, I, I'm not, I'm not sad about it. We, I had an extra long winter break, which is good. Yeah, um, but it's cool because at the end of exam week, um, one of my very best friends is getting married, and I'm witnessing the vows that is marriage. That's so, awesome. I had a Zoom call with him today um, and the priest who will preside, which is his cousin and rector of our cathedral. So it was, it was just really cool. They they talked about how they had prayed and gone through the readings and did some questions about the readings and kind of wanted our input. So um, it was really cool to kind of do something pastoral because when you're at seminary, it's kind of all just intellectual class, um, you know, keep going out in prayer. But it was really cool to do something like pastoral, looking forward to like doing that. I had my, I had the book, you know, The Rite of Marriage. I'm going, we're going through all the things. So that was um that was earlier today, and that was that was really meaningful. Yeah, those are good times. Those are good in, uh, opportunities um, to be able to do the pastoral work that you've been studying the theory of the, all these years, and and to now actually be able to do it. Uh, it, it gets it gets better. It gets better. Mm-hmm. I promise you. It, the great. more you do it, it, the more you enjoy doing that kind of work. So um, that's exciting. I'm glad that you're able to do that. Weddings, you know, I've I've now been the witness of the vows at three weddings and um one of my best friends from high school i got to be uh the priest at his wedding which was really cool even though it was in quarantine well not quarantine in covid times it was still really uh, a great experience so but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight and thankfully deacon aj as the good deacon he is serving his priest um and his lazy priest, he has saved the day again. Everybody saves my butt because you came up with the topic for tonight. Yeah, it, it's funny you said serving you as a priest because that's in the, um, I think one of the questions, one of the promises in the ordination rite is like, you know, do you promise to serve like the bishop and priests, you know, in a system in ministry? So like, yep. So I'm glad I can help out. In, um, in actuality, it's, it's probably talking more about serving at the altar, but you're <laughs> saving me again tonight by the, service coming service. to the rescue. Yeah, so I want to talk about a book that I've read over and over again and is very near and dear to my heart, and that is um, by the French spiritual writer, Father Jacques Philippe. It is Searching for and Maintaining Peace, um, a small treatise on peace of heart. And what I want to talk about is um, maintaining peace of heart, not necessarily in suffering or in kind of external circumstances that affect us, but maintaining peace of heart through temptation and when we sin. So, you know, we, we all have that time, maybe it's a sin that tempts us a lot, a habitual sin. We do it. And afterwards you're just stuck with your awful self, awful, sinful self. What do you do? You want to beat yourself up. You want to do penance, you want to fast, you want to do all this stuff, but often like that doesn't help us get there. And so, um, before I turn it over to you, Father Andy, to get your input, let me read the kind of one of the uh, biggest parts of this book. Uh, this one, here we go. Uh, he says, the first goal of spiritual combat, that toward which our efforts must above all else be directed, is not to obtain a victory over our temptations, our weaknesses, etc. Rather, it is to learn to maintain peace of heart under all circumstances, even in the case of defeat. 
it is only in this way that we can pursue the other goal, which is the elimination of our failures, our faults, our imperfections and sins. You know, that is so very wise. Now, granted, he's, he's a saint, isn't he? Or oh, No, he, he's, he's still living. Okay, so he, he might someday be a saint. But that is so very wise because I think one of the things that I encounter the most when dealing with people in the confessional is, why am I mm. not perfect? <laughs> well, congratulations. Your heart still beats. You know, you're still breathing. You're still on this earth. You're not going to be perfect. But God isn't calling you to be perfect right this minute. What he's calling you to do is to surrender yourself and your will to him so that he can make you perfect, right? It's not something that you and I can do. Earlier, I, don't, uh, I was talking about an idea for a topic and we brought up Pelagian. I, I always seem to get stuck on Pelagian things, the Pelagian ideas, but I think it eats us up a lot as a society in general is I'm going to be perfect because I can make myself perfect or I'm going to get myself to be the best I can be out of my own free will. And that's just not going to happen. And so yeah. um, coming to recognize that, as he says, um, to find that peace, that inner peace of understanding and surrender. Yeah, or, or, or I think is people think like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Like, oh, I, oh, I could have done more. And there you go. Like, think it's Pelagian. Oh, it's on me. Um, and it seems counterintuitive, at least when I first read this, is I thought, no, I need to like, get more strict and try to you know resist temptation harder like oh i just wasn't trying hard enough but really i think he says that that primary goal should be peace of heart like that's when god speaks to us like even even though we could have grievously sinned having peace of heart coming to god he maybe later on i'll read a prayer that he wrote in here like after you sin just like god give it to you say i'm a patrician i'll get the confession at the earliest convenience but i'm not gonna like kill myself trying to just go out of my way to beat myself up or to, you know, find a nearest priest, you know, hurry, absolve me. I'm, 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 I've sinned. So I just thought that very interesting because that was something I kind of did. I think early in seminary is sin. And you're like, Oh no, I got to find a priest like right away. Like let's go find a priest whose doors open. But really the more virtue is gained when you learn to like love yourself, even amongst temptation and sin, which for me, it was counterintuitive because I don't know. Maybe if I was around Pelagius back in the day, I would have been his like biggest follower. But um, I just it, it it is very profound. Yeah, and I think the other thing to think about it with is, um, we often deal with scrupulosity in that sense because uh, the minute I sin, the smallest little sin, then therefore I'm going to go straight to hell and I have to go to confession and. You know, in a, a lot of ways, I'd say yes. Uh, you know, as soon as you can, I want you to get, get to confession. But it doesn't mean you need to be um, whipping yourself with cords or running to the church every five seconds. You know, because you need to go to confession. Um, I think, like you said, there is some sort of growth that is available to us when we are patient with ourselves and um, we have the opportunity to learn from our mistakes. That yes, we need to get to confession, especially if it's a mortal sin, but having some time to sit and think on it is extremely important as well, because that's where our growth is going to be. It's not going to come from, um, you know, it's almost, in a sense, when we rush to confession every time we turn around, it's almost treating confession like magic. You know, I do something bad and now I got to go to the priest so he can say his words and wave his hand and then I'm forgiven. 
It's like, well, no, we, we got to get that inner growth to come through first, that inner growth of recognizing, okay, I'm not perfect. I know I'm sinful. I know I need confession. I will avail myself of the sacrament. I'm not trying to run away from it. But in the same breath, I need to just be able to take this into my heart and take this to my prayer. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's like our sin, you know, as St. Augustine says, God can bring good out of evil. Like how that is the, that's the essence of what it means to be powerful. Like how do you bring the opposite out of something? So even in our sinfulness, God can bring good. Not saying that we should sin to give God, you know, oh, an opportunity to do that. But in that he can show us his love and his mercy and his goodness because of our sin. It's like you said, that moment, remember like, no, I've grievously sinned. Just think like, God does not love me any less right now. You know, you may think that he does, like he's looking on us because we're dirty and we're, we're mired in all of our, uh, our sin and uh, dirt, but really he doesn't love us any less. You know, it's like, it's like the prodigal son. God looks on the horizon every single day. And then when we go to confession, he finally comes and runs and meets us. Um, but yeah, that was incredibly help, helpful for me to know um, that there's moments, there's moments of lowness and uh, just kind of pity on myself. Like sometimes those moments are when we're closest to God. Um, another quote I want to read um, from Father Jacques um, is it just about like imperfections and like lamenting them and, and hating that we have them so he says however many imperfections we may have rather than lament them and try to rid ourselves of them at any price they could be splendid opportunities to make progress in humility as well as in confidence in god and his mercy and thus in saintliness so it's kind of seeing it as an opportunity like not lamenting not doing everything that we think is in our power to get rid of you know, uh, there's imperfections and sins in our life, but think like, yeah, I sin, I feel guilty, but now God can show me his mercy. Because if we never sinned, then we would not ever want to receive God's mercy. You know, a line that um, I think really kind of portrays this out well is from uh, the Easter Vigil. And I think you know where I'm going to talk about maybe with the um, Exaltet right? You and I both had the opportunity this year to chant it. I love that. I love it. Yes. But the, 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 the line that I'm talking about is it says, oh, happy fault. You know, oh, happy fault, the sin of Adam, which then allowed God's grace to come into the world. Oh, almost necessary sin, right? And that necessary um, fault, that necessary sin that we experience. And so even though like you and I have been saying this whole time, we don't want to like I'm going to sin so I give God an opportunity, but in the same breath, we understand that, you know, we're not perfect, that we need this, this grace. And so being able to, I don't know, to steep in our, our remorse and our regret almost is like an opportunity for us to learn like, okay, maybe, hey, stupid, you shouldn't be doing this. You should learn from your mistakes. And so recognizing um, the low point. You know, I also talk about when we were talking about um, mental health, and I, I uh, continue to preach on this to people who may experience or know someone who experiences a mental health issue. Um, you know, we we don't want to make everything so flat that we don't recognize the highs from the lows. 
Now, in the same breath, we don't want the highs so far from the lows that you're jumping in between them so fast that you become sick. But we need to have the highs and the lows to recognize when God is with us and how he works with us. Even in our low moments, he's still here with us. He's still working with us, but it's a different experience of him. And so having these opportunities of the highs and the lows and being at peace when we are in our lows. And I think this also, if you do any study of Ignatian method and Ignatian spirituality, say Ignatius speaks on this very heavily, you know, when you're in a state of desolation, a low, you know, don't make any changes, you know, continue on the path that you're on, continue on the journey that you're on, talk with your spiritual director, spiritual advisor, spiritual father, spiritual mother, whatever it is for you, be in con uh, communication with them but continue to know and be at peace in your spiritual journey. And I think that's important because we all have our ups and our lows and to not let the jumping that sometimes happen uh, between them become so hard or so fast that we can't function in between. And so being at peace with that and also recognizing when we need to have patience with ourselves mm -hmm. that we're not, you know, it's, I wish, I say this often, I wish I had a magic wand that I could wave and make everybody perfect. But it doesn't work like that. It's never going to happen, you know, because that's not going to happen until we die and get to heaven. And so we have to be patient with ourselves as we learn, as we grow, because we are not perfect now, but we are called to be perfect. But it's that journey. It's that journey as we go along. Yeah, I think one of my um, favorite uh, New Testament biblical characters is St. Peter. Because he is like so impetuous and impulsive, like, you know, in the same breath, it's like, who do you say that I am? Oh, you are the son, you know, you're the Christ, son of the living God. Oh, good, good job, Peter. Also, I'm going to die on the cross. And then he goes like, oh, no. And then that's when Christ is Satan. You're thinking in the ways of man. So there's, yeah. or, or like at the Last Supper, when, when Christ is washing his feet, he's saying, oh, no, you will not wash my feet. And he says, no, like, I'm, you must be made clean. And if I don't do this, you'll not have eternal life with me. And then he's like, oh. Well, in that case, not not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. And Christ is like, whoa, 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 just your feet. So I, I love how intense he is. Um, you know, in the same breath, Christ is like, good job. And then says, you know, get behind me, Satan. Um, and then, of course, you know, the big conversion story with Peter is, you know, his thrice denial of Christ in front of a charcoal fire. And then, um, at least in John's gospel, and afterwards, the resurrection appearance in the beach in front of the charcoal fire. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Um, so I, I find myself praying to him a lot, of course, because he was the, you know, preeminent leader of the apostles and the first pope, but also that someone who was so close to Christ, like messed up a lot. Um, and especially like in Mark's gospel, because Mark was Peter's uh, secretary. He is like harsh, you know, because I think some commentators will say that, well, Peter was like dictating things to Mark. Well, Peter is probably being real honest, like, man, you got to put this in here. You're going to make it. I did a bad thing. Don't you know, don't pass it over. Yeah. And, and I think another saint um, that uh, if you're listening to this during uh, the third week of Easter, um, you know, another saint that we can, that we're hearing about from the um, first readings is Saul becoming Paul. Um, and, you know, something that you, I heard uh, another Catholic theologian say, but it's so true. Saul, who thought he was doing the righteous deeds of God, by persecuting the Christians, who thought that he was doing the good thing of this, was then struck off his horse and, and had to wake up to his mistakes. 
and I think often, now let's reverse the coin. So originally I was talking about uh, those of us who deal with scrupulosity in our lives. But what about the opposite of scrupulosity and dealing with these situations when um, we aren't paying attention enough to where we have messed up? We aren't paying attention enough to our situation in life uh, where maybe we need God to come in and wake us up to our stupidity. And, uh, you know, St. Saint Saint Paul is a wonderful saint to look at that because Paul, who thought he was doing good, you know, mm -hmm. there's so many people that think they're doing good. There's so many people that think that they're following God's will. But then in fact, when they, when you look at it, they're not doing it at all. And it's because they've become so disconnected from the gospel message, so disconnected from the truth of Jesus Christ, that they're now starting to take their own understanding of the message of Jesus Christ and proclaiming it. And, and then we do just like Saul did. We step in the way. We think that we're doing what God wants without actually asking God what he wants. Mm -hmm. I think bringing up St. Paul makes a good point is we're kind of talking about, oh, when you sin, maybe in that moment, a, a smaller timescale. But I think with Paul, think about it. Like he had that life of being a fanatical Pharisee and like dragging, like you're reading, I think it was today or yesterday, dragging Christians out of their homes to imprison them. Um, and I think as you and I know, having studied his uh paul's letters is he he kind of he's processing that guilt right you know i paul who was you know persecutor and uh, you know persecutor and um you know a, the bane of a christian's existence back then is he processes that but i think he's all he also he's he's aware of the evil that he's done but i think he's also aware of god's mercy so i want to bring that up too is um people who are maybe have had conversions or living good lifestyles but there's that guilt that burden that heaviness of maybe a previous lifestyle or just their past life uh, experiences that I think at the same time, like Paul, you can you can still hold those in the same hand. You can hold your life in one hand, maybe the things you've done and God's mercy in the other and realize that like God's mercy is so much heavier. It's so much deeper. It's so much bigger, um, but that you're not forgetting those sins you've done, but kind of, you know, integrating them into you. And again, like, we, like we've said, reminders that like, oh man, I've done some terrible things but that has shown me how great God's mercy is. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it isn't over with our sin. It's only over with our sin is when we uh, sin against the Holy Spirit, when we sin against God and we sin against his ability to forgive us and to recognize mm -hmm. that, you know, we have salvation because God promised it to us. And so um, allowing ourselves to truly enter into that experience of his love and his mercy so that as we enter into it, whether we are so focused on our sins that we can't focus on anything else, or we're so focused on ourselves that we can't focus on anything else. It's that recognition that, okay, no, there's a middle ground, and the middle ground is God's mercy, and he's calling us back to his, his understanding of patience, which completely confuses and confounds us when we're saying, well, no, God, I want it now. I want it now. Fix me now, or I want it my way now. You know, and, and it's that it's that patience and that mercy calling us back to his way, calling us back to his understanding. Yeah, Father Andy, um, both you and I um, were baseball chaplains here at St. Vincent for the, the college team. Um, and the last game I noticed, I've always noticed this, but I was paid more attention is guys when they mess up. It's usually it's like at the plate. They could have swung at a bad pitch or watched a third strike in, which is like terrible. But 
or maybe a flyout, or they just made a dumb play is when they come back to the dugout is just watching each of them. And you have a whole range of experiences. Some guys are like, well, okay, well, moving on. Or some guys are like, they'll throw a helmet, they'll cuss in the corner, and it takes them a couple of innings to cool off. Um, I think more, most recently, I stayed for um, an entire game a couple of Saturdays ago. <laughs> Our starting pitcher, not a good outing. Like three innings, lit up five, I think up to seven runs. So he came in, he was just not having it. But they, like St. Vincent had like a five-run inning and then like a three-run inning after that, and they ended up winning the game. But it was funny watching him because he was, you know, just not in a good space afterwards. But by the end of the game, he's like, I don't even care. Like, look at that. That was amazing. They came back. So I think it's the same time, just like if we do mess up, we can look forward to like, oh, my sins will be forgiven. Like, confession will be there. Right now, God is giving me his mercy instead of kind of dwelling on those sins. And I just kind of bring it up as experience you've probably seen. And I know baseball players are, are pretty hard on themselves. Um, yeah, I, in fact, I, I remember dealing with a similar situation with one of the uh, pitchers. You know, he was just, once again, like you're saying, having a real bad day. Just having a real bad yeah, day. To no fault of their own. No. And it's, it's just, I, I just remember saying to him, hey, you got a whole team that's behind you. I know that you're beating yourself up. I know you that you're not happy with everything that you're dealing with right now. But guess what? We're going to be here to support you. Yeah, we're not happy with what you're doing right now because you're not really winning us the game. But you know what? We got a whole community here behind you. And I want you to just take a few seconds and clear your head and then get back, get your butt back out there and do what you know you can do and do it well. Don't feel sorry for yourself. But also... Don't become so cocky that you think it's everybody else's fault. Find that middle ground. We're yeah. not perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, Father Jacques also mentions um, St. Francis de Sales, and he says, nothing impedes the progress in virtue than desiring it too much. Like yeah. we make, if we make that the goal, oh, ooh, God, God will step back. He's like, like, like you said, I'm going to wait for you to cool down, then we can talk. Um, and he has another qu quote. Uh, here where he says the sign of spiritual progress is not so much never failing as it is being able to lift oneself lift oneself up quickly after one's fall one falls so again i think of like the baseball guys if a guy has a fly out or just yeah does a, a bad play you hear one guy say hey let's go pick him up so like you know they'll they'll give him a fist bump as he comes in the dugout yeah. so i think think of that like picking yourself back up quickly like quickly as possible if you were if you're running a race and you know you tripped and fell in the beginning. Would you just sit there and be like, "Well, I fell," or would you get, yeah. get back up and like, "Hey, let's let's keep going." Yeah. Um, like I ran cross country for a couple of meets in high school. Very first meet, someone uh, like gave me a flat tire on an accident. Right. So my my heel came out of my shoe, and I was so nervous. I'm like, "Oh, do I run the rest of the race like this?" But stepped off, tucked my heel back in my shoe, kept going. Because um, I think a lot of times, myself included. We sin and we just we sit on the ground of that race and just think like, woe is me. Look what I've done. There's no point in doing this. But in reality, like Father Jacques is saying, no, the quicker you get up, the better. And because you really are better in the long run. Yeah. And I think we can, uh, you know, tie this back into Paul because Paul, of course, has this very famous line about running the race. You know, we aren't running a sprint. We're not. Uh, we're running a marathon. And so starting out really fast and expecting you to be done right away, it's not going to work. It's about pacing ourselves and being, 
at peace with who we are and who God has made us to be. Because I think that's a lot of, a lot of times too, is that we're trying, to, we're, you know, we're judging ourselves in relation to others around us. Well, I'm not as holy as this person. I'm not as perfect as this person. I'm not as a good of a person in this situation because I see my spouse is better. I see my um, parents are better than me. Well, yeah, guess what? They might be, but you don't mm-hmm. know the whole story. So, you know, God has put you in a very specific location and for a very specific purpose at a very specific time. And so allow his plan to play out as he wishes it. Yeah. And I think because God loves you infinitely, but he also wants you to love yourself. So that's a good point you brought up with comparing yourself to others is uh, love your like, don't forget to love yourself. Um, I, I always thought in the line of the Our Father, you know, forgive us uh, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, when we sin, we're hurting, we're sinning against ourselves. So I always thought in my head, I thought, okay, who are those people that I have grudges against who have sinned against me? Like, I forgive them. But then in the same breath, I think about myself. I've sinned against myself. Even those sins that are only known to me and God, I forgive myself for those sins. Like, let me love myself. Because for a long time... I would, I would not, you know, sure. My sins are forgiven in confession, but like, I did not want to forgive myself. Um, right. I guess part of that scrupulosity, that Pelagianism, just like, if I'm mean to myself, then I'll, I can do this. I'll white knuckle it and get it done, which is like, no, that's, that's never the case. God wants you to love yourself, to accept yourself, not necessarily in, in a sinful state where you're at, but to accept yourself as, okay, this is what I'm capable of without without God's grace when we sin. Um, but then to know, to have that drive to get to a better place. So it's it, like, it's a balance, right? You don't accept yourself like, oh, self-acceptance, whatever, I'm terrible. I'll, I'll sin when I want, it's good. No, but at the same time, not like, like you said, like, you know, flagellating yourself with a whip yeah. on your back. So there's a balance is wanting to be holier, good, uh, but not making that an end in itself. Like the end is like heaven to be with God. And like Father Jacques said, sometimes that can become the the idol. Like that's idolatry is I want this virtue so bad. God isn't giving it to me, but I want it so bad. Um, you know, I've heard of people and in my own life, like that's when you sin again. I mean, that's, that, that's pride is thinking, oh, God should have given me this virtue. Why didn't he give me this grace? Yeah. And then the other thing to be careful of is, to put, you know, you don't want to put yourself down in those moments and say, "Well, because God didn't give it to me, therefore I'm so unworthy of His love." No, <laughs> no, and you know, I'm not. I don't have, and we can hearken this, uh, liken this to our talents as well. Um, not just the money mm-hmm. that He gives us, but our actual talents. You know, I'm good at something, but maybe someone else isn't as good with it. But that doesn't make me any better than them, or vice versa. You know, AJ, you have all these other talents than me that I don't have. Does that make me any less of a person or less of a priest than you are? Well, no, it doesn't. We each have our talents. We each have our abilities. And the same thing with the spiritual life. We each have an opportunity to allow God to give us the specific skills, the specific graces that he wants us to have in that moment. And, um, you know, sometimes there's certain things we need to learn to work on, right? I keep harping on patience tonight. Like, okay, that's a part of my life too. Like, it's something we all need to work on. But am I angry with myself or with God because he hasn't given it to me yet? 
well, you know, maybe a little bit at times, but the point is, is that I have to continue to grow in that. I have to continue to be patient with myself as I grow in that and um, understanding that, okay, I'm, uh, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect on this earth, but the Lord is giving me opportunities now to show me where I need to grow, to show me how mm -hmm. I need to grow. And so sometimes it's just opening our eyes to where he's at. Yeah, I always think, um, you know, again, because we were sports chaplains, as I think about that a lot is when do teams and athletes learn the most? Is it after a big victory or is it after a loss? Because if it's a victory, the locker room, the dugout, everyone's happy, whatever. The coach could be like, no, calm down. Here's what we need to work on. And they could say, no, coach, we won. But I think we they learn the most in defeat. Just that humility, Absolutely. just that just that realness to it. And the coach, you know, will say, there are some things, you know, we could have done better today. We will work on those in practice this week. So we learn more in defeat than we do in victory. So like you said, when we fall, God is giving us that chance to take a look around, take a look at ourselves and be honest, and then get up and say, okay, yeah, exactly like you said, God, is show, God will show you where to go. Now, if you're focused on yourself, just you falling down, you're just going to look at the ground, look at your, look at your, you know, hurt knee or whatever, you can't see where to go. But if you get up, dust yourself off, God will very clearly show you where you need to go because it's, it's in peace that he will speak to us, not when we're freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what does Father Jacques have to say in our prayer tonight? Oh, yes, let me find that, uh, that prayer. Let me look for it. Here it is. So, um, so he says, you know, when we have experienced a failure or when we are discouraged and tormented, like, let us say this, this prayer. So the prayer is this, Lord, I ask your pardon. I have sinned again. This, alas, is what I am capable of doing on my own. But I abandon myself with confidence to your mercy and your pardon. I thank you for not allowing me to sin even more grievously. I abandon myself to you with confidence because I know that one day you will heal me completely. And in the meantime, I ask that the experience of my misery would cause me to be more humble, more considerate of others, more conscience, more conscious that I can do nothing by myself, but that I must rely solely on your love and mercy. Amen. How about that for Encounter Mercy? Yeah, well, and I was as you're praying that I'm thinking, you know, now, you know, let us let us as the podcasters, but also let us as the listeners to really abandon ourselves into his mercy tonight, today, whenever it is that you're listening to this, let us abandon ourselves into his mercy. Um, let us truly live out this call to mercy that we are all called to. Um, I think the reason why Vince and I so uh, readily jumped on the name Encounter Mercy is because that's what we need. That's what we need most in our world. When we started this podcast, who would have thought where we would have, uh, what the world would be going through right now. And I think that's what we need most in this time is his mercy. And so let us abandon ourselves into that mercy to recognize where we need to grow, where we are not perfect, but also where he is calling us to make us his perfect disciples. Right. Yep. So, Father Andy, it's been great uh, having this chat with you. The book is Searching for and Maintaining Peace uh, by Father Jacques Philippe by um, St. Paul's Press. Great little book. Um, this, you have been listening to the Encounter Mercy podcast. Please visit us on our website at EncounterMercy.com. 
and you can find us and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please have a great night. God bless. You know, I gave everybody a challenge uh, two weeks ago to share it with one person or maybe two people. Uh, now you got to share it with two more people. So you heard it. You heard it tonight. You heard it tonight. So be at peace. Know God's mercy. And as Deacon AJ said, God bless you all. And we'll see you all in